Praise you, Father. So like I said earlier, we're going to talk about growth. I'm grateful that we serve a God who's got a growth mindset. He is always, always looking to expand in every single area, whether it's the church with people, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, prosperity, health, no matter what it is, he is always looking to increase, always looking to move forward, onward and upward in every situation. And he wants that for each and every one of us. We are made in his image and his likeness, and he's instilled that same spirit within us to not be satisfied with where we're at, to be content, but not to be satisfied and stagnant. There's a difference there. Always want to be looking for what's next, being led by the Holy Spirit in every area, and never ever being satisfied with where you're at. Because there's always more. This word is so rich and so full of the goodness of God that we're barely scratching the surface. I was working with James yesterday. He was coming out helping us frame our house. And uh, he was telling me that he had done the calculations in the book of Revelation with the size of the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the city that we're going to be spending all eternity with God in. And it is huge. What an awesome thing to look forward to. He's so big. He's so far beyond our natural minds that even the descriptions that he gives in Revelations probably pale to really describe what it's going to be like to stand in that place in that day. And it just, he, he is so faithful and he's so big and so strong and so amazing in everything that he does. And we need to mold our lives after that. We should just go beyond what you think you can do. Be led, but go beyond what you think you can do in the natural with your own physical strength. Push yourself by faith to be just like your father. So we're going to open up in Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. Come on. Love to have a church that loves the word. It's the foundation we base everything on. You got the word in you, you're going places. So we're going to do verse 2 to 3. Many of you know this chapter. It's an awesome chapter. In verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left, and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now, they're talking specifically about the nation of Israel in this verse, but we can apply that to our lives as the body of Christ. All through the Word of God, it's expansion, 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 expansion. Growth, 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 growth. And here God's saying, again, don't be satisfied with where you're at. I've gotten more for you. Strengthen your cords. Lengthen your stakes. Break forth on the right hand and on the left. Look around you. Look at where I'm going to take you next. Keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes on the goal because you're not staying where you're at. I've got more for you. Numbers 13. Actually, you know what? Jump down to verse 10 right quick before we go over Numbers. For though the mountains should depart and the hills be shaken and removed, yet my love and kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace and completeness be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O you afflicted, 
storm-tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones in fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your windows and pinnacles of agates and rubies and your gates of carbuncles and all your walls of precious stones. And all your children shall be disciples and great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. Come on now. That's something mothers can holler at. You shall establish yourself in righteousness in conformity with God's will and order. You shall be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. That goes back to being a tither, too, living in an open heaven. You don't have to fear financial ruin. If you're faithful with your finances, there's no fear. Behold, they may gather together and stir up strife, but it's not from me, so don't worry about it. If that happens in your life, don't even give it a second thought. It's not from God. If it's not from God, don't concern yourself with it. Whoever stirs up strife against you shall fall and surrender to you. Behold, I have created the smith that blows on the fire of coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. And I have created the devastator to destroy. So God's saying, you know what? You know, Satan did come from heaven. He fell. But he did come from heaven. But he's saying, you know what? Even though he fell, even though he's down here trying to wreak havoc in your life, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't even give him a second thought. Doesn't matter what he throws at you because verse 17 says, but no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. This is the, this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord this is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtained from me. Again, that's part of our covenant. Okay? We have a covenant relationship with the creator of the universe. The one who created a universe that's as, well, I'm just taking the scientist's word for it, continually expanding at the speed of light. There's no border to the universe. You can't draw a line and say this is where it ends. It's infinite, just like God is. And I think place there, believe one of the main purposes it's so expansive is to show us how great our God is. I think that's probably the main reason why it's as big as it is. Is so we can look up at the night sky and say, wow, I'm a speck on a tiny little planet in this expansive universe that's literally infinite. And all of a sudden, your problems become pretty small. And when you look up and say, this is the God who I'm in covenant with. This is the one who's got my back no matter where I'm at. This is the one who's interceding on my behalf. These problems that I'm facing, these people that are trying to rise up against me, what, what is that? What is that? In the sum of eternity, in the sum of the expanse of the universe, what are these little problems? They seem significant if you try to magnify them. And some things are troubling in your life. They can be hard to overcome in the natural. But if you trust God, you're not relying on your own strength. It's him that's going to pull you through. And that takes a continual renewing of the mind. You have to continually get up in the morning and say, not by my strength. 
I'm not in the driver's seat today, Father. I'm not. I surrender my will to you today, and you're going to take me through this. You're going to take me through this. There's probably people in the Ukraine praying that every single day, right now, with missiles raining down overhead, shells exploding all around them. I guarantee you there's Christians over there that are declaring this over their life, and I guarantee you it's very real to them right now. That's the test. When all hell is coming against you, if you can stand on this and say those words and trust and rely on him and not lose heart, but stay strong, you're coming through one way or another. You're coming through. Romans 8. Actually, I'm going to go to Numbers first. Numbers 13.30. So here are Numbers. Again, you guys know the story. Um, they're up against the promised land. They've sent scouts into the promised land. They've seen that it is good, that it is full of everything that God said it was full of. So not only has he taken them from captivity in Egypt and led them miracle by miracle by miracle to where they are right now, but they've just got a report back that God was true again, and the land that he pulled them out of that place for is what he said it was. Pretty awesome. But you would expect it at that point, you'd think. After seeing what they've seen and all the goodness, you'd expect once you get there that it would be what God said it was. Pretty reasonable, I'd say. <clears throat> but as you know, all but two brought back a bad report. They brought back and said it is what God said it was, but God left out a detail, and it's a big detail. It's a scary big detail, and he forgot to tell us about all these giants and all these people and all their big cities and their big stone walls that are standing between us and our grapes and our honey and our milk. And boys, it don't look good. I mean, splitting the Red Sea and pouring out of Egypt, that's one thing, but man, these are big walls and big people behind big walls. And I just don't know if we can do it. But two of them said, what are you talking about? Verse 30 said, Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So why do you have to quiet them? Guess what they were doing? Yeah. Doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. Big scary walls, big scary people. No milk, no honey. <laughs> it's funny, it's sad funny, but it's, yeah. Anyway, shake your head. <clears throat> Let us... And he said, let us go up at once and possess it. For what? We are well able to overcome it. So they saw something different. They, well, actually, they all saw the same thing. They focused on different things. All the scouts saw the same thing. They all went to the same places, talked to the same people, brought back two different reports. What are you focusing on? Are you covenant-minded, or are you not? Only two of them were covenant-minded. Only two of them trusted the one who brought them that far already. And in 14, in verse 1, chapter 14, verse 1, I'm going to read from the Amplified. And all the congregation cried out with a loud voice, and they wept that night. 
All the Israelites grumbled and deplored the situation, accusing Moses and Aaron. Of course, pointing the fingers at somebody. Someone's got to be to blame, right? As soon as something goes wrong, the fingers come out. <clears throat> to whom the whole congregation said, that would, what, would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness? Why does the Lord bring us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and little ones will go, will be a prey. This is, is it not better for us to return to Egypt? They said to one another, let's choose a captain and go back. Brilliant plan. <laughs> then Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly of Israel. And Joshua and Caleb, who were among the scouts, who had searched the land, rent their clothes and said to all the company of the Israelites, the land through which we passed as scouts is an exceedingly good land. Which means, guys, God was right. It's good. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense and the shadow of protection is removed from over them, but the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Fear them not. What keeps us out of our promised land? Fear. Doubt and unbelief. But fear keeps us out of our promised land. What if? What if this goes wrong? What if this happens? What do I do if this happens? Fear. Don't let fear keep you out of your promised land. But it wasn't enough. His speech wasn't good enough. They couldn't convince him. Even after falling on their faces and tearing their clothes and pleading with them, all the congregation said to stone them. Stone, stone the pastor. Stone Caleb. Stone Joshua. But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent and it goes on. This is when God wants to wipe them out and Moses convinces him not to. <laughs> Even God had done had enough. <laughs> he was wanting to wipe her clean and start over again. I'll raise up a generation with you guys and wipe out the rest of them. Anyway, took some convincing, but uh, God changed his mind and uh, came around. What they didn't know was that the word of what had happened in, in Egypt had already gone before them. And these nations were already terrified of them. And here they were terrified of them. You see, God, God's got the whole picture. You might not have the whole picture, but God's got the whole picture. God had terrified them. Even though they were greater in, in, in military equipment, greater in stature, they were fearful of them because of what happened in Egypt and how God was faithful to bring them out of slavery. So there's, God's going before you too. He's going before each and every one of us. And he's preparing the hearts and minds of the people that we're going to be in communication with if we need something done, God's already preparing hearts and minds to be favorable for us, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a relationship, a friendship, whatever it is, God has gone before us and prepared the way for us. Romans 8 and 31 and 32. You all mostly know this one, but we'll get our eyes on it again. I'm going to 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, that verse has been abused by people who are trying to 
misconstrue God's purpose and God's plan and try to give give validity to their own purposes, even though God's not behind it. But on a personal level, I want you to see that on a personal level today. God's for you. Okay, that's unquestionable. God is for each and every single person in this room. He's for every single person on this planet. Most of them don't know it yet, but that's our job. We have an evangelical ministry. Christianity is an evangelical, I say religion, but relationship. We want to share what we have. A lot of times, you know, the, the Jewish religion is not like that. The Jewish religion is, they don't care about anybody else, really. They don't want you to join their religion. They really don't care if you do or not. It's not evangelical. But that's not God's heart. They cut out the New Testament. They don't understand the heart of, God, of, of the Father, really. A lot of them. And so, again, that's our job, to minister to the Jewish people, as well as all the Gentiles as well, to show them what is the heart of God, to show them that, yes, God is interested in every single person, no matter where they are in life, no matter what they've done in life, he's looking to expand, to grow the kingdom of God. And he says the laborers are what? They're few. The harvest is great. He's already prepared to say, listen, you got a lot to do. Okay? You got a lot to do. So don't lose heart and don't fate because my burden is easy. My yoke is, my, yeah, vice versa. But you get the point. My strength on you makes you able to do what natural human beings cannot do. And that's love like God loved. And that's what wins the lost. Your love for one another. Our love for each other in this body of Christ is what ministers the people outside of these walls. And we need to take that love to them. James has got lots of stories. He's got me beat right now, I think. (laughs) James capitalizes on taking the love of Christ and spreading it to everyone that comes in contact with him. He's looking continually for opportunities to bless other people, to encourage them. Everywhere he goes. And he's got a lot of awesome things that have come from having that kind of attitude. We all need to be more like James. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're going to jump down to chapter 4 Back chapter 4 rather From 8 to back, back to 4 Of Romans Verses 19 To 22 And being not weak in faith He considered not his own body now dead This is Abraham Talk about Abraham. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. You see, God had an awesome plan of growth for Abraham's life, but it required faith and I think I'm pretty safe in saying that 100% of God's plan for your life is going to require some faith. It's, it's just the way he works. That's the way the kingdom of God works. He wants you to do everything by faith so that in the end, the glory is his. And you have a testimony as a result of what you believed him for and what he was able to do for you because of your belief in what he had for you. So I'm going to round her off in Hebrews 11.1. 
And then we're going to pass it off to my lovely other half. Hebrews 11.1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And that's really the basis of growth. It's the basis of what we have to look forward to. It's how we accomplish anything in the Word of God. We got to see it by faith first. We got to know, first of all, that it's the plan of God for our lives. Once we know what the next step is, we got to walk it out by faith. We got to take that next step. It might be a scary step, but we got to put that aside and say, you know what? No, I heard from God. I know I did. I know his voice, the voice of a stranger I won't follow. Will you get it right 100% of the time? Probably not. If you do, great. You might miss it sometimes. But even when you miss it, if you're missing it, trying to operate in faith, God's grace is going to be there for you. Because he's just like, a, just like a mother or a father when it comes to their own children. If you see that their heart behind what they're doing is to one, try to please you, to do what you've asked them to do. They just might have done it maybe the wrong way. If their heart is right, there's grace and forgiveness there for the misstep. And he bring them right back in line again and let them go again. So don't be afraid. Take that step. Don't be afraid to, you know, maybe you missed it before. Maybe you tried to do something by faith and it didn't work out the way that you thought it might work out. Don't be discouraged by that. Just go back to, go back to God Say, Lord, I, I, I missed it somewhere. Show me where I missed it. Let me try again. Don't ever give up. Go for it, dear. So uh, my husband eloquently just set me right up, which is really cool. Um, it's funny because we didn't all week. I was kind of like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Do you know what you're talking about? He goes, nope, I don't know. I'm like, okay, fine. I know what I'm talking about. Do you know what you're talking about? Nope, don't. Okay, that's fine. Um, so what was funny is like, so last night, yesterday we were working on the house and then we got home. And uh, I was downstairs. He was upstairs, both working on our messages. We were like, I'm going to do whatever you want. But I know I've heard from God, so hopefully he has too. Um, anyway, so I walked upstairs. And uh, it was funny. I walked up to get a drink. And it was funny because I was, like I, was, like, I listened to Bethel Instrumental, like that soaking music. Well, anyway, I walked upstairs, and we were like, it was the same thing. He had the same thing going. I was just like, okay, we are in one spirit. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> this is all good. <laughs> so anyway, but... You know, husband was talking about growth, and what's really interesting is this is something that I've been meditating upon, um, and James 1, all right, so James, lovely James, we love James, love our Jamesy, <laughs> love my Jamesy, all right, um, so James 1, all right, 2 to 4. Uh, in the King James, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work is patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that ye might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. All right, which is really interesting, and I've hated this verse. I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> I don't like this, because no one likes to go through to, like trials and things like that. It's not a good thing. It's not a good look. Um, so, But when we go through trials, not only is patience being worked out in us, but God gave me this revelation as well. He said, you get to see a different side of me. You get to see a different facet of who I am through every trial. 
And I said, that is so interesting. So I, of course, I'm a teacher, so bear with me. So when we are going through and we're reading the Bible through, um, through, through the year, um, you start seeing that every single time that God delivered the Israelites, they saw a different side of him and he got a new name. There's another name added, right? To, to commemorate the, the point where they were in that time and what God had done for them. So some of those El Shaddai, of course, is Lord God Almighty. Um, El Elyon, which is the most, uh, the most high God, okay? Then we get into Adonai, Okay, Lord, Master, Yahweh, mm, Lord Jehovah. Then we get into Jehovah. So once they identify Jehovah, then we get into Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner. That's my victory, right? Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. I didn't even know that one yet. So when I researched, I was like, ooh, the Lord is there. Shama, Lord Jehovah, Shama. All right, so, all right, so Jehovah, I'm going to say this one wrong. I think it's Sidkinu, Sidkinu, oh, lady. Um, the Lord is my, our righteousness. The Lord is my righteousness. Okay, I'm going to say this one as close as possible, okay? Jehovah Mechodeshrehim. That's the French coming out at me, by the way. The Lord who sanctifies you. So he's our righteousness, he's our sanctification, right? L-L-O-M, which is the, the, the everlasting God. Elohim is God. Um, I think it's Kana, which is jealous. He's jealous for me. Um, Jehovah Jireh, mm, the Lord will provide. We all know that one. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. And Jehovah Sabbath, which is the Lord of hosts. So all of these names res- represent the different aspect of God, who, who God is. So when we encounter trials and tough situations, I can rejoice because I am going to get to know God in a new way. Like, how awesome is that? So even in those trials, I can look and I say, oh my goodness, here is El Shaddai. Oh my goodness, here's Jehovah Shalom. You know, all of these different things that I can call God, and that's who he is to me in that season. He's constantly revealing himself to me. How awesome is that? Pastor Paul prayed this in prayer this morning that every time, you know, there's a circle of angels that go around the throne room. And every time they come around and they see, oh, holy God. You know, they, they cry out because they see a different aspect of who he is. So rejoice when those trials come because they're going to bring growth, right? So one thing that I want you, yes, I do acknowledge that it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I know you're watching. I love you. I miss you. Uh, I hope you're having a great day. Um, whenever you're back, we'll celebrate all of the things. So, um, just all of the things. Um, so I want to turn to Exodus. We talked about, um, Moses for a second, but I just want to talk because this has been something that's rolling around in my spirit for years. Um, and it's Exodus one, sorry, I didn't forgot to tell you where I was going. Uh, but Exodus one. All right, and I'm just going to read a little story. This is what I do in my daily. I read a story, uh, and I analyze it. That's my job, basically. I'm an English teacher. This is what I do. I can take eight lines of poetry, and I can waste 75 minutes on that, but I'm not going to do that today, I swear. All right, so my husband told me I couldn't. So, um, <laughs> Exodus 1. So, there, and I'm reading out of the ESV, sorry. Um, should that. So now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So again, forgot God. Okay. 
And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. They have grown too much. Right? So it says, come, let us deal shrewdly with them, let, uh, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they uh, set taskmasters over them and afflicted them with heavy burdens. They built, uh, they built for Pharaoh store cities, um, Pithom and Ramses. But the war, they were oppressed. <laughs> this is God. The more they multiplied. <laughs> <laughs> just saying oh god is so good and the more they spread abroad and the egyptians were in dread of the people of israel god's hand on their lives will continue to go before them and they knew that and i'm going to get to that again in a minute but he kept he, they kept multiplying they kept growing even in the harshest times they kept growing so they ruthlessly made the people of israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter and hard with hard service and mortar and brick and that ain't something you pick up from kent people that's something they made themselves and in all kinds and it's hard too in all kinds of work in the field in all their work they ruthlessly made them work as slaves then the king of egypt said to them hebrew midwives now this is interesting Interesting. One of whom was named uh, Shifra. I'm going to say Shifra. If that's wrong, I'm sorry. And the other, Pow. I was going to call her Pow because Pow. That's awesome. Um, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women, see, uh, seat them on the birth stool. And if it is a son, you shall kill him. And if it's a daughter, she shall live. All right. So the story goes that the midwives didn't do that. Okay. They feared God. That's what it says. They feared God and they didn't do that. So then we get to chapter two and it says, now a man from the house of Levi, mm -mm. Um, if you want to look at the, I don't have time this morning, but if you want to look up the significance of Levi, that's cool. Uh, went and took as his wife, a, Le a Levite woman, and the woman conceived and bore a son and she saw that he was a fine child. She hid him three months. All right. And when she could hide him no longer, she took him uh, for him a basket and uh, made with bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman, the daughter, uh, sorry, well, sorry, not their daughter, her young woman walked beside her, the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent to her servant woman. She took it and she opened it. She saw the child and behold, the baby was crying and she took pity on him and said, this is one of those Hebrews children. Then his sister she was there. Miriam was there. Said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse for the he of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, uh, for me and I will give you your wages. This touched me as a mother. Because all we want in life as mothers is just for our, our children to be provided for, to be protected, to be loved, and everything else. And God saw that. 
God saw that and he honored her to the fact that she got to nurse her own child and got paid for it, right? For two years, she got to hold on to her baby. She got to hold on to him. And, um, and then she, yes, she eventually had to give him back and he was raised, but she didn't know at that point, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, but she didn't know at that point that God was going to use him to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. She saw her child her God-given child, and she said, I need to protect him. And in that protection, God blessed her. He saw her heart, and he blessed her. That touches me on a deep level. Sorry. But I've been meditating that. I've been meditating that for the last couple of years, and just like, God, you have such a heart for moms, and not just for today, but you have such a heart for mothers. And I think of Jesus and Mary, and, and one of the last things that Jesus did on the cross was he made sure that his mother was okay. His mother was going to be taken care of. You know? And I think about there's different instances within the Bible of mothers and sons as well, but this one is not one that's really talked about so much. So that's why it kind of caught me off guard. And I was just, I was taken back the the grace and the love and the mercy of God, um, even in the harshest times. You know, the next time I think this was hap- this happened was when they were looking, when, when Herod was looking for Jesus. Right? That was the next time that there was such a genocide against Hebrew boys. And um, I, I just, I, I thought that that was such, like, I saw... Not only the provision, but I saw the mercy in the heart of God in that story. That not only did she get to hold on to her son, her son was protected under the palace that sent the order out in the first place, and she got paid for it. She was provided for. So God not only gave her protection, but he also gave her wages in that time. So next I want to go to... And I think that's so interesting. I mean, boys and their mamas, I tell you, I teach, I teach English. And last semester, I mean this semester too, but last semester I taught uh, Romeo and Juliet, which is a tragedy. Don't, anyway. Um, anyway, but, but anyway, not the way that I taught it was a tragedy. That's terrible. Um, no, that's not. But I put that, I posed this question, okay? Because it's a story about, well, actually it's really a story about the boys. But anyway, it's a story of like love and, and what comes first. And so I posed this question, which was mostly boys. I said, all right, rank these three things. I said, your mama, your girlfriend, and your buddies. Anyway, there were several girls in the class and they were just like, they were like, oh, my boyfriend comes first, my, you know, whatever. Anyway, I thought there was going to be a riot because all those boys came, like stood to their feet and they're like, no, mama comes first. Mama comes first. And I was like, okay, okay. I was like, okay, settle down. Okay, I'm getting me in trouble here. But yeah, mama comes first. So, and I saw that. And I think in that story, I think it was like amazing. So, I mean, we see the goodness of God in all that we do. We sing about it. I know I sing about it a lot. Um, But I mean, what else can I, what else can I magnify? Like Jess was saying a while ago, like when it comes times for trials, when there's things like that, you can either magnify the trial or you can magnify the solution, or you can magnify God in that situation. All right, God, I'm coming up against something. What facet of you do you want me to see this time? What different side of you do you want me to see this time? Who are you going to be to me in this time? So I want to go to um, Joshua 2. And yes, honey, I am wrapping up. Um, Joshua 2. <laughs> He's looking at me. 
Okay, I have like I'm sorry. He's like he print, he he printed my notes off for me this morning, and he was just like, "You're gonna have to cut it down." <laughs> I said, "Okay." <laughs> so you don't have that much time, woman. I said, "Okay." <laughs> so he kind of set me up really well for this one because it says, you know, it's the story of Rahab. All right, so the spies go in. So after Moses dies, Joshua, he's the new leader of the Israelites. So he sends more, he sends the spies in, okay? And she hides them. Okay, first of all, she was a prostitute living in, 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 um, in, the, in the city, in the city walls. So she was able to like um, protect them, hide them from the king who was like, they were, because the fear of the Lord went before them. The fear of the Lord went before them. It was so amazing um, that she says that. And uh, let me see. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh, before the men lay down. Sorry, this is verse 8. So before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of, of you has fallen upon us. And, all, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you. And when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan in Shion and Og, whom you have devoted to, devoted to destruction. So they heard the fear of the Lord. She knew it. She wasn't, she wasn't an Israelite herself. Anyway, if you turn to, I'm going to, because I'm going to wrap it up here quickly, but if you go down to Joshua 6, if you go turn over to Joshua 6, uh, 21. All right, so after they come and possess the land, Jericho has fallen. All right, so verse 20, uh, 21. Uh, and it says, Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both when men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had, who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brother and all that belonged to her family. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel and they burned the city with fire and, uh, and everything in it. And what's really interesting is um, if you skip down, um, to 25 and it says but Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive and she had and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out the land of Jericho she saved her entire family because she feared the Lord I think I think she was one of the first non-Jewish people to find the grace of God <laughs> really that was the grace of God and she knew that she said by every right I have every I don't I don't I know that you you have this land this doesn't even belong to us I know that I know that so that's the thing when we're looking at God and we're looking at the difference she saw a different side of God she knew the fire of God she knew the anger of God she have heard about that but here she found the mercy of God so I just want to encourage you today no matter what you're going through, start looking at God. Okay, God, what are you going to be to me today? 
What is this? What am I supposed to want? What am I supposed to learn through this? And who do you want me to, what side of you do you want me to see? Because I know, like, my husband and I, we've been together for, like, 20 years now. And um, we're still, we still get to know each other. Really? You don't like that anymore? You don't like, wait, wait. Oh, actually, what's really funny is um, I'm a chocolate person. And he was very, very a candy person. But now he's coming to the dark side. And by dark side, I mean the dark chocolate side. So... Anyway, but we start we started to like pick up each other's habits and, and, and things like that because the more you get to know somebody, right? The more you fall in love with them. I can say that I love my friends and I keep finding out more and more about them all the time. Right? Why? Because we keep growing in God. So a couple weeks ago in prayer, uh, I think it was when Pastor Gary Bightley was here, God gave uh God said this to me, totally wrecked me that morning. I was like, Jesus, now I'm going to go like lead worship. But anyway, um, he said to me, um, he said, people, you know, we are a reflection of God's love. Correct? We all agree on that. Correct? Right? We're a reflection of God's love. But we live our lives according to that revelation. So, we live our lives according to the measure of love that we have received from God. So if that is true, then the more that I get to know God, the more I fall in love with God, the better person I'm going to be because I'm just reflecting his love. I'm reflecting him. And all that I do, I reflect him. I can tell you what, talk about growth. I know I'm not the same person that I was two years ago, let alone 10 years ago. And it's good to look back at those things. It's good to me. And like, there's sometimes those situation may come up and I'm like, I would have handled that a lot differently back then. Thank God I have a little bit more self-control now. (laughs) But we just wanted to encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, glorify God through it because he's going to show you, one, a different side of himself, and he's going to prove himself to you over and over and over again because we know that the battle is the Lord's. He's already made that way for us. He's already provided for us. All we have to do is just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll say. Yes, Lord, I will be. I will be the light in the place of darkness. I will be that person who, who encourages whoever needs encouragement. I think it was Marie who called me a cheerleader the other day, and I said, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I'll be your cheerleader. You know? So we are gods. We are his children. In the, in the foyer, there are some I am cards. I keep coming back to those. I know Pastor Nancy, you know, gives them hard too, but um, they're so good because that's who God is and that's who God has created you to be. You know, Ephesians says that you would know the love of Christ. You would know the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ. To know that, to be rooted and grounded in that love is so, so important in our daily walk because when we know who we are in Christ, we don't focus on the trial <laughs> at all. We focus on, on the God who's going to bring us through. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. 
We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.